Well, all right. Welcome back, pool fans, to another edition of American Billiard Radio. Today is May 15th, 2014. Got another great show lined up for you today. In a little bit, we're going to get to hear from Mr. Florian Kohler, the trick shot artist from France, who uh, just recently signed up with uh, the APA as a representative for them. Really excited to get to talk to him. We're going to be hearing from uh, Mr. Rob Saez, who uh, just clinched the um, Texas Tornado Open. And, of course, in a little bit, we're also going to hear from uh, Mr. Brandon Schuff about his uh, candidacy for the Moscone Cup team. Get to hear his thoughts on that. But first, I want to throw a couple of reminders out there for you. Uh, We're really glad to have picked up another uh, segment for American Billiard Radio called Pool Time, produced by Daryl Smith and Todd Ward out of Kansas City. We appreciate them joining us, and I hope that you'll uh, tune in to their show. They can be heard on Tuesday nights here on uh, our website, Tuesday night at 9 o'clock, if you'll join us for that. They do a really great job, and uh, we also want to take the opportunity, you know, sometimes not enough thank yous are given out in this world, and I just wanted to take this opportunity to uh, to thank our other segment producers, Mike Howerton, Mark Cantrell, and Allison Fisher. Uh, These guys go out of their way to do an extra good job on their piece of the show, and uh, we really do appreciate it. We want to let them know that uh, they keep us in touch with what's going on in the various parts of the country, and and we couldn't ask for more. So uh, if you get a chance to Give them a pat on the back and tell them thanks for doing a good job. I, I know that I appreciate it, and I hope that you guys do too. Um, got another reminder for you coming up. The um, World Straight Pool Championship is on its way for this year, and they're going to be holding some qualifiers for that at various places acro- across the country. Um, the one that is closest to us will be held in Chicago on uh, June 21st. So you have just a little over a month uh, to get prepped for that. Uh, On June 21st at Red Shoes, down in Alsip, which is a suburb of Chicago there, uh, they will be holding it, uh, their qualifier. It's a $105 entry fee, which includes the uh, green fees. Sign-up time will be noon, period, no exceptions. So make sure that uh, you're signed up on time so you don't miss that. The top two players will win entry into the world championship. And it's important that the field for these qualifiers will be limited to the first 16 paid entrants. So if you plan on qualifying for that, like I said, make sure that you get your name on the list. Get paid quick like so that you don't uh, miss it. And make sure, of course, that you get there on time because you don't want to, uh, you know, miss out on that if that's what you're trying to do. So, uh, props to uh, Red Shoes for taking part in that qualifier system, and uh, we look forward to seeing how that all turns out for everybody. Um, without further ado, we will get on with the show and uh, be talking to Florian here in just a second. So we'll be right back after this. <laughs> 
Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of American Billiard Radio, AZ Billiards on American Billiard Radio. I'm Mike Howerton. I'm joined this week by Florian Kohler from Las Vegas. Florian, how's Vegas? Oh, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. It's a big change from France, but I'm uh, getting used to just uh, a lot of administration problems so far, but I'll, I'll make it up. How long have you been uh, living in Vegas now? Well, I just moved there like, uh, like two weeks ago. And uh, I was busy, so I didn't really have time to take care of anything. So it's pretty, re- really recent. Yeah, wait a couple months and uh, let us know how you like the weather out there. Well, I don't know. I heard it's pretty bad in the summer, so we'll see if I survive. <laughs> but uh, should be fine, you know. With pool players, with things, but anyway, so not too worried about it. You're on the road most of the time, anyway, aren't you? That's true. You know, I travel all the time, anyway. So I actually moved here because of the airport. I was a uh, I was in Riverside, California before, but, you know, from LAX, it was like an hour and a half driving. It's no traffic. With traffic, you know, you can easily get three hours. Here, I'm like 20 minutes away from the airport, so you can't beat that. And uh, if you leave every month, you know, five or six times at the airport, that's just uh, that much time you win. So. That works. Well, Florian, um, off the top, I know that what you do, you know, shooting the trick shots, um, it, they refer to it as artistic pools. So what is your preference? Do you prefer to be called a trick shot artist or an artistic pool player? Uh, it's a tough question because in artistic pool, there's artistic that I like because to me, you know, trick shot got nothing to do with pool or it has a little bit, but it's not it's not the main reason. And so trick shots is, it's very, very similar at the same time. So I'll say artistic because of the artistic side, obviously, and the trick shot because you still got to, you know, practice the skill part of it. So it's, I don't know, I can't really, by myself, it's pretty much the same for me. Okay. Um, can you tell us how you got started in in trick shots? So um, I started pretty much, off, uh, I got a table when I was in France at uh, 18, I'm 34 now. And uh, I didn't know how to play pool at all. So, you know, what somebody my age go uh, to learn the game? Well, I went online and saw a video on, on YouTube of, uh, of pool, but you can't really learn like that pool. But you have a lot of trick shot videos there. So, you know, of course, I was looking trick shot videos. And uh, after a while, I was, you know, I tried to do the same shot they're doing and thought maybe I'll learn pool that way, which was, you know, not really the idea, but. Ended up like that. So um, after maybe a year practicing trick shot, it's funny because I it was only like a year, year and a half, and I already knew pretty much all the shots they're shooting already. Like there's been uh, the same shot for like the last 50, 60 years, and not much changed since then. So I was like, why did nobody change anything? You know, we have jump cues, we have everything now. So why no more new shots and everything? So uh, after after yeah, after a year and a half, two years. I uh, started doing my own version of it and creating new shots, and that's pretty much how I started. I was going to comment on the fact that you know what what we see from you online and on the DVD is really so much different than the shots that we're used to. Uh, you know the 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 big stroke shots and stuff like that. I mean, you do so much masse and jump and 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 other crazy stuff. Um, what is the process like for you to come up with a new shot, and how long does it take for you to, 
let's say master that shot? That's that's yeah, that's very it's a typical question I have, but it's a very hard to answer because you got some shots that are simple that you just have the idea and five minutes you get the shot down and you can make it in shows. And you have the kind of shot that's like a really tough one. It's complicated, it's complicated to come up with the ideas and it takes practice, then it takes time to make it. So it really is uh it really is depending a lot of the shots. But like I say usually if I if I get right now at this point a new shot, usually if it's a hard one or medium hard, I'll try at home, practice at home for a few days, a few weeks, whatever. Then I try to come up in, in a show so within three tries usually or maybe five. But uh, yeah, the process is uh it's uh I'll take six months most likely before I can master a whole the shots in for show or something like that for T V and the very few tries. But that's if we take a medium hard shot and then of course there's a stupidly hard shot and there's the very easy shot so that'll be really to sum up as much as I can. So let's say not necessarily the hardest shot that you do, but let's let's say one of your difficult shots. I think the I think the story from Steve Miserak back when he did the the uh, light beer commercial was that it took him like thirteen or fourteen hours to get those three shots together and have them work. Uh, when you and Nathan are working on a on a DVD, how long does it take you to to put together? You know how how long do you have to work on a shot in order to make it perfect? It's actually a lot less time than people expect. I like take an example for the show for like the like when I do a live show. If you take an hour or something like that, I'll go around fifty shots, pretty much forty fifty shots. Meanwhile, in the other um, back, the, I mean the other players, maybe Mike or they usually stay at fifteen twenty. So that's that's how fast I go and. Uh, if we just do one video, like for a commercial or something like that, a few minutes, five minutes video, it's a matter of uh, of just one day, so nine nine hours of work, pretty much. So and and there's a lot of time for the camera work as well. So now you say that you got started trying to learn how to play regular pool, and that took you down the road into artistic pool. Do you play regular pool now? Well, that's the story. It keeps being funny. So. After trying to learn regular pool, I didn't learn it at all because I learned trick shot. But then after I got good at trick shot, I had to play people regular pool, and my level was like far away from my trick shot level. So then I had to learn the real game. So I didn't have much choice. I went to the good thing is when I was living in France, I was right on the German border, and we all know the German players; they're pretty good. So uh, I started to get there, and then uh, I practiced with a former uh, German champion. And uh played maybe six months to a year, and uh, yeah, my level just skyrockets, and uh, now I'm, I'll say I'm decent, honestly. I have, um, uh, to give you an idea, I have a high run of a 73 straight pool in five racks and nine ball. I mean, just, you know, average player, not pro, but decent enough to be in a pool hole and not be scared too much. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Do you have any interest in getting out there and competing in a regular pool tournament instead of a trick shot tournament? I actually do. It's just uh, the pressure I have on, you know, it's a little different for me because everybody expects me to. That's, that's, yeah, that's funny because you read the YouTube comments, they, they all think you can beat Ron Sullivan, which is not even the same game, you know, it's totally different. So if I go there and play a tournament, 
then it's uh, it's a lot of pressure on me. And I played a played a few tournaments in California and stuff like that. But even the the pool holes, you know, when I show up, they they know me. And handicap wise, I'm it's pretty bad for me. They rank me as a pro almost to to win. It's a it's a long story, but I, I did win a few. So. All right, we're going to take a real short break, and when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about the DVD and about your new deal with the APA. All right, let's do it. Okay, everybody, we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking to Florian Kohler this week. Uh, Florian, we're talking about the DVD. Can you tell us how you got started working with uh, Nathan Demoulin? Um Again, it's a pretty random story. So I was still I was doing my videos on YouTube, and uh, I don't know. I did like a forty or fifty before anybody really noticed me. Noticed me. And uh, then I got this email from Nathan about uh, maybe filming a trick shot video. So of course I said yes. I mean, you got to think that we did that with no. No budget, no no condition. I mean, nothing. It was pretty much just a, you know, two young people to get together and try and do something. And uh, so uh, he flew me to Canada and recorded for like, uh, well, we're supposed to do a whole week. And of course, they left my cues in the plane, so we had two days short. So we pretty much ended up to have to make the video in like three or four days. And uh, well, once we did that, it went actually better than I expected because. The way I was, I was still practicing at home, and my table was pretty bad. So I got to Canada, and you know, had, we had a good table and everything. So shot-wise, it went excellent. And uh, yeah, after that, the video went pretty much viral. I think uh, it's a uh, hundred million people saw it for free. <laughs> well, we saw the few, but not as many for sure. And uh, and from there, yeah, it started to be good for me. And whose idea was it to add, was it your girlfriend, uh, or is that, was that a model or a girlfriend? Well, the, the idea came pretty easy, actually. It was, uh, I was doing the same thing with uh, yeah, either girlfriends or sister or friends when I was at home, because, you know, it's, it's marketing, it's simple. If you want to sell, you have to, you have to put a girl. They'll sell you anything and put a girl on the cover, so it was pretty clear we had to add a girl. So we did that in the first one. And of course, that's the best part. They worked, you know. Even the shots were not as good as the rest of the video. It worked pretty good. So uh, of course, you had to do it for the second DVD, and uh, well, that one went really viral. So it seems in the DVD that you're a very natural showman. I mean, you you're very smooth at the table. You, you don't seem to be nervous in front of the camera. Uh, is that the case? I mean, have you have you done things in front of the camera before? I don't know what, because I've always been a shy kid and everything, but I think the secret is just that I, I'm practicing a lot. I'm a hard worker, I say, practicing. And when I get shows or, or you know, competition in front of the camera like that, I already know how to shoot the shot. I know my chances of making it. I know my chances of missing it. So I don't have this kind of pressure. It's kind of it's very weird. Um, I don't know how to explain it. But it's not that I'm a showman. I just don't have the same pressure. I don't know. Very hard to explain. <laughs> now, we saw the press release come out last week about the new deal with the APA. Uh, how does that work out? That's something we've been trying to work uh, in a while. 
I don't even know if I, if you heard it, but I did a, I did kind of a job interview for them like two years ago at the Rift. So I did a free show and see how how it would go. And uh, well, pretty much went. You know, we kept relation, and uh, I knew something was gonna happen. But of course, I had to prove that I was good as well and be able to uh, you know capitalize on that. So um, then I moved to the U.S. and uh, they got more interested. And uh, finally, when they saw the success of the last videos, well, it was pretty simple that they uh, they needed me, and uh, that pretty much went natural, actually. So now, as part of the sponsorship deal, are you going to what well, you're going to be at their tournaments, or or how does that work? Well, I already started uh, and did a show at the pool party they had for the. The single events they have at the Riviera was like a few weeks ago. I will be back there in uh, in August for their team event, probably doing one or two shows there as well, and uh, maybe a couple more things in uh, during the year. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's more of a sponsorship than uh, than just a pure you know, you got to do shows there and shows there. It's uh, more support thing, which is good. They they leave me they leave me my freedom as well. So right, so you'll be promoting the APA even when you're not at APA events. Exactly. Yeah. No, I wear the logo and um, yeah. When the way that the way they they told me is more being a spokesperson for the APA. And do you play APA? I never did actually. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> But you might well, start. Yeah, the first time, the first time, I, no, I can't, I can't even do it anymore because now they, uh, they say it wouldn't. Have, I mean, I asked them the question because I was wondering. But uh, as part of being a spokesperson, I, you pretty much, they can't rank you as amateurs. So they don't, you know, so you don't make any problem because you know what, what would they rank me or if I'm ranked too low or whatever, or it just wouldn't be fair since it's amateur pool league then. They pretty much take me as a pro, even if I'm only pro in trick shot. Uh, to them, it doesn't make sense to, uh, to make a difference. And uh, I'm sure if uh, if I have to play somebody that's just not super nice and I win or something, it will be a problem. <laughs> so. Yeah, I guess I could see that. Yeah, it's a uh, typical politics, you know. So besides the deal with the APA, what do you have coming up in the future? Well, uh, we just released the Venom. Two one the, the the second DVD which is still getting viral right now, so I'm trying to use the the wave of this thing, and uh, when I'm I'm trying to get pretty busy, I have a I have a few show on the, I think I have a TV from England next month, no by the end of the month, then um, I have a show in Florida I think, then from there I'll go to uh, Korea for TV, then from there I'll go to Dubai. And from Dubai, probably come back here. Then we'll see if I can get one show too in the U.S. And uh, from there, I have a show in uh, in Switzerland. And then after that, it's uh, already July, and uh, go back here for maybe one week. And uh, and I think I have uh, some stuff for Italy on Italian TV. So yeah, I'm keeping myself busy, traveling a lot. Boy, it sounds like it. Did you ever think when you when you started looking on YouTube to try to figure out how to play pool that you would ever be you know, looked at as a trick shot artist at the level that you are? No, not really, honestly. Um, the thing that people don't realize is I'm not even about fame or anything. It just, you know, what I love is just playing trick shots. It's the only thing. I'm not, 
I'm not, you know, trying to be a professional pool player. I'm not trying to be the best fiction artist. I'm just trying to be, do something that I like, or I love, actually. And uh, what I like is just, you know, you put me on a table and you leave me there for two days, I'm fine. I'll be happy. If I can do stuff that I like, I'll be happy. I mean, this is only the business side. I'm, it's fine, of course, because, you know, you pay a bill. But like I say, if you can pay me to just uh, stay in a studio and record for months, I'll be happier. <laughs> <laughs> what I really like is the creativity part, you know. There is, there's several aspects of the game. Pool is, is such complex and everything. So that's why I love the real pool too. But Trisha is just you take the take the table as a white paper and you pretty much try to draw a masterpiece on it. So I got a new shot, it's you know, it's something. Because it's one thing to just do Trisha. Everybody can do Trisha, that's what I'm saying. Even execution wise, I'm not too bad, but I'm sure it should train a kid that is twelve or thirteen right now and in a few years it'll be the same thing than me. But my strong suit is uh, how many shots I can create and you know, how new they are, that's something you can't really take me. That's, um, that's, that's how I see it. To me, everybody can execute anything, but then creating it, it's a different story. So it's probably the thing I'm the most proud of. It. Well, I mean, that makes sense. Um, what What we see you do on a pool table is certainly the most creative thing that I know personally I've seen in years. Yeah, exactly. When you say that to me, it's the best compliment. I don't need to hear you're the best trick artist or you're a good pool player or whatever. I just want to hear you're the most creative trick artist. That's fine. Because that's exactly what I was looking for. Well, my, my last question would be, where can people find you online? But that's kind of a, a strange question because <laughs> they can find you everywhere. So where would you prefer that people find you online? Well, you can you can just uh, go on YouTube and, uh, and type Venom Trick Shots. Or you can find my website at com, And uh, from there, uh, you can also contact me via email for shows or videos or whatever. You know, this kind of work. It's uh, venom68 at hotmail.com. But again, like you say, it's, it's pretty easy to find me, honestly. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Florian. Well, I wish you luck. I appreciate you taking some time Thank out you. of your day to talk to us. And, uh... All right, well, it was my pleasure. All right, we'll talk to you down the road, Florian. Good luck. Thank you. All right, thanks. Okay, everybody, that's it. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. I'm Scott Lee. I'm Randy G. And welcome to the One Minute Pool Instructor. We uh, got some new information uh, on some great reading out there, Randy. Uh, what's the What's the latest thing you've come across? Well, I've got it right here, Scott. It's the Encyclopedia of, uh, of Pool Hustlers. Oh, Pretty the Beard. Yeah. What yeah. a great book. I'm halfway through it, and, and uh, I'm excited. You know, you never know who he thinks should be in here, so you can find some friends of ours in there. There's a lot of people that I recognize, and it's certainly a rogues gallery, if you will, because he tells it like it was uh, 30 years ago. Yeah, so once again, if anybody is interested in the history of that side of pool, and, and, and that, that's a true side of pool, it, is. it is in all other sports, I would imagine, 
Uh, Freddie's got a book out there you shouldn't let go by. Um, it's called The Encyclopedia of Pool Hustlers. I'd, I'd find it right away. Absolutely. Great book. In fact, he was uh, interviewed for a uh, New York magazine just last weekend. Oh, good. I think, you know, any, it's good stuff. Great stuff. Now, I'll tell you, Scott, I did find something else. I talked to Ron Vitero. Ron Vitello. Ron Vitello. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and uh, he sent me his 9090 aiming package. Okay. And I'm just about ready to write a review, and I've spent six hours reviewing it. And if anybody is looking for an aiming system that actually is real, this is it, 9090. All right. Now, my review is a little bit more on how Ron is presenting it. Because, uh, Scott, you and I are familiar with 1990 years ago sure. uh, under a different name. But uh, Ron puts it together in such a good package that, I, uh, once again, 9090 Aiming. By Ron Vitello. Yep. And, and uh, I'll have it reviewed uh, out here in just a little while. All right. We'll look for that on uh, AZ Billiards. What else you got? I'll tell you what, that's about it for this tip. I don't know how you have time to read anything with all the students you've been teaching. I'll tell you, and the way I travel, too. That's uh, the One Minute Pool Instructor for today. I'm Scott Lee. I'm Randy G. And we'll see you next week. Everybody, welcome to Pool on the Grind here on AmericanBilliardRadio.com. I'm your host, Allison Fisher of NYCGrind.com. I've taken a couple of weeks hiatus, and I'm really excited to be back on the show. And I'm excited about our guest this week, who is Rob Saez, American Touring Pro. How are you doing, Rob? Good. Yourself, Allison? I'm doing really well. So I know you have some uh, big news on your end. You just won the Texas Tornado Open. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty stoked about it. Uh, it was a good field. Uh, 81 players, 10,000 added. Even though they didn't get the 128 players that they wanted, they still added the 10,000, which is super awesome of them. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited. It was a good event. That's awesome. Now, who did you end up playing in the finals? I played uh, Joey Gray from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and uh, I was undefeated, and he had me 5-1 uh, in the first set. He had me 5-1, race to seven, alternating freaks, and I come back and I uh, win 7-5. Wow. That's that's an impressive yeah. comeback. Yeah, yeah. And I know that Joey's been playing really well, too, lately, and... He's become one of the more notable young players on the scene. Yep, yep. Super nice guy, too. Very cool, very cool. Now, what what would you say stood out for you about this event? I know it's really awesome that they had all the added money despite not filling out the field. What would you say was sort of your key to making things happen? Um, I think um, 
I broke good. I broke good, and uh, I just took I just took advantage of the law, uh, law opportunities of, of my opponent's mistakes. Every time they made a mistake, I took advantage of it and ran out. You know, and that's what you got to do in order to win. You got to get a play good, take advantage of their mistakes, and get a couple good rolls. Yeah, it really boils down to how how you're able to react in those situations. If you're say down in a set or you're struggling for a bit, how easily can you recover? What like having that mental well, I, having that mental ability yeah, that, that, to recover is big. That's a big big factor. Big factor. Big factor is being able to control your emotions. In the last year, um, I'm like extremely proud of myself. Uh, I've learned to control my emotions, and um, it's an awesome feeling. It's like no matter no matter how bad I'm down, I feel like I still can't lose. It's it's a ton of real. Like I'm not crying about I'm not crying about like bad rolls and this and that. It happens, and uh, but you, you just gotta let it go and uh, just take advantage next time you get your chance at the table. And 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 uh, I got a couple friends that I really really uh got to think for and I'm just I'm just I, I feel like I'm in another world now that I'm in control of my emotions that's awesome that's really the the best sort of feeling when you're playing in that zone and you you don't feel like you have anything in your way it's all about yeah. your own your own control and your own uh your own sphere that's really awesome to hear yeah it's an awesome feeling I'm, I'm really I'm really psyched about it I know you also had a really nice finish at the Smoking Aces tournament in Missouri. You want to talk a little bit about that tournament? What what that event was like? Yeah, that event was an awesome, awesome sixteen man tournament with a two thousand dollar entry fee, and uh, I finished third. My buddy Justin Bourbon wanted to play great, and uh, I just fell short to being able to be in the finals with him. I lost twenty one nineteen to uh, Corey. Wow. And in that tournament, I also in that tournament I also played Joey Gray, and he had me seventeen to eleven race to twenty one alternating the breaks, and I come back and win like twenty one nineteen or eighteen or something like that. Wow! And I, and I think and I and I, I got I, I got to say that it's because I learned to control my emotions. It's so big. It, it, it was an awesome. It was an awesome. It was an awesome tournament. And they're having another one coming in August. I do remember hearing about that, that they're having another big uh, big tournament. Now, these are higher entry fee events than a lot of players are sort of used to uh, used to playing in. Is that right? Yes, yes. It's two, it's, uh, two dollars entry fees. And uh, I guess they're going to try to add money in this time, which I think, you know, it's, it's awesome because... Uh, not only having high entry fees is good for the players because you know it's more money, but this this event coming up, I guess they're going to try to add some money, and uh, and you know it's it, it's it's needed. It, it's just it would be, be nice to get added money still into our events, not just have entry fees higher and no money added. You know, just because we got higher entry fees, you know, doesn't mean that. There shouldn't be added money. This is, there should still be added money. Sure, sure. I think that that shows that the, the promoters and the people involved are really invested in 
doing something good for the players and the fact that they're uh, putting their their own efforts in. That means, that means a lot. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, I know I recently heard that you also got invited to the big invitational event happening in California later this year. Actually, yeah. it'll be next, yeah. next year, right, February? Yeah, February 5th through the 8th, 2015. Yeah, I'm excited about that, and, and it, it would be it would, I mean, it would be super awesome to win that one, of course. If I was to win it, that'd be like the best birthday present ever. You know, my birthday is on that Sunday, so that'd be awesome. Wow, that's very cool. So they're yeah, adding. I, I want to. Yeah, they yeah. Twenty thousand, correct? Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's the Filipino, the Filipino community over there in Carson, California. I guess it's like outside of LA or an LA area, and right. uh, and they're trying to get and they're trying to get the Filipino TV station to uh, to put it on live TV. I don't know if it's live TV or pre-recorded, but they're trying to get the Filipino TV station to to get on, uh, you know, to cover the cover the event. But uh, either way, if they don't if they don't get to cover the event, then uh, then uh, it's going to be a live stream. Okay. So one way or another, people are going to be able to watch it. That's that's I mean, invited, invited to a tournament like that with the names of the players that are on the list, like Jake Filipinos, Mika, Thorsten, um, Shane Van Boeing, John Mora. I mean it's it's uh you know, I, I feel honored and, and I'm and I'm grateful for that. Very thankful. And I just wanna give uh, Jay Halford a, a big thank you and uh I hope uh yeah, I hope it's an awesome event. I hope he seems like very successful with it. It's great to hear that some new and new and interesting things are happening, especially there in in California, which has such a an awesome history with pool and the the promoters and the players are are so important to our overall landscape. Right. And Jay Helfert, I mean, he's he's uh, by far one of the, the top authorities. Yeah, he knows. He knows. Pool. He definitely knows Pool, and he's all for Pool. He's all for Pool and the players, you know. Yeah. So I also wanted to mention that we've been you've been involved in a documentary project. Yes. Yes. What's your experience been like with that, and, and how do you feel like uh, how it could impact Pool? Well, I mean, uh, it's it's pretty. You know, it's it's it's. it's it's weird when when the cameras are following me and you know and I'm going places and people are looking at you like what's going on there I don't know whether they think it's like a college pro uh some kind of college like who knows like this 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 you know what I mean like some kind of like a college assignment or something like that but uh it's it's pretty cool and uh I feel like um it can it can just uh, I I think the impact that will make on on uh on pool is that pool can actually, uh, uh, it, it, it's really a positive, it's a positive game, it's a positive sport, and, and it's like, it just changed my life. If it wasn't for pool, there's no telling where my life would be right now, and uh, I was, you know, when I was younger, I was uh, mixed up in wrong lifestyle, and uh, 
thank God for uh, the given talent that I have in the game of pool. Uh, you know, pool, pool drives me out and saved my life, you know. So a lot of people like try to not pool because of the past uh, history or, you know, how it's tainted or whatever. But I'll tell you what, pool's on the, on the up and up and uh, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not, it doesn't have, it really doesn't have all that negative uh, feel or thing about it. It's, 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 it's gotten way more positive, and and, and I feel like uh, a lot of people when they get to see the documentary that um you know who, who who can be a blessing to many people. I think that's a really important and a really important point to make, in that it has uh, a lot of a lot of positive impact on in different ways for different people. And be able yeah. to tell to be able to tell your story, and I know a lot of other people, a lot of other players are going to be involved in it as well. So yeah. they'll be able to share their own experiences and see see how just general people can relate to the experience of you know being a pool player and the lessons you can learn and the skills that it can give you. So I you know I definitely appreciate that you have put yourself out there like that because it's not a it's not an easy thing to do to be uh be exposed and under under that um under that lens. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I can't wait for it to come out and hopefully uh hopefully it touches uh a lot of youth that maybe might be in trouble or you know what I mean and they look at it as uh as just a positive thing and hopefully I can turn people's lives around and hopefully I can inspire a lot of people. Well, that's very cool, and we're excited to see uh, how things how things continue to progress. And I, I know that uh, one person that has been involved in your life and was a, a major major person to affect you was was George Sansusi Ginky, and we've got yeah. here in New York the the Ginky Memorial coming up. So I, I thought it'd be nice to to get a chance to talk to you about him and uh, what your experience was with having him in your life. I mean, it's, it's pretty wild to, for me to have to talk about him because he's gone. It's pretty uh, still to me today is still kind of like mind blowing because it's not you know I I you know I expected uh, I expected to see him. You know, my whole life, you know, being old and talking about pool and I never thought that he'd be gone at such an early age. But um, he was a big, uh, big factor in my stepping my pool game up uh, from, you know, I was born in Connecticut and then, uh, like, that's when I started to play pool. And then I come to New York probably uh, two or three years after I started playing and then I met him and, and uh, he just made a big impact on me. And, he made me want to get better and better. He was he was an awesome player. Uh, for for a long time there, he was very dominant. Awesome break. Um, just all around, just did everything all around good. I mean everything. You know, he handled himself really good. He was in control of his emotions. Um, he was a gentleman at the table, away from the table. And um, you know, I, I I do have to thank him a lot. And. Um, it's just pretty unfortunate that he's no longer with us, but uh, he's never going to be forgotten, that's for sure. He was definitely a big icon 
in the New York scene for pool and uh, touched a lot of people, you know, in, in good ways. And and it's un, like I said, it's just unfortunate that he's no longer with us. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's something that I know people people will always you know talk about talk about Ginky and talk about what it was like to have you know have him around. And he was his personality was really larger than life, and the energy that that he brought around was was a different thing. Yeah, he. Uh... He was definitely a, a character with a lot of, like, you know, that like he'd walk into the place, he'd liven the place up, you know. Like, people were happy to see him when he would walk in. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, when I, go, when I go back home and I visit the pool room in New York and, you know, it's like, it's, it's really weird that I know that he's not even going to pop up in the pool room. And it's definitely different without him around. Pool in New York is definitely different without him around. To me, he was the king of New York when it came to pool. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. There was definitely a a certain vibe when you would you would notice when Ginky walked into the room that everybody would sort of like their attention would be would be drawn to him. So he's yeah. definitely yeah. yeah, he made a big impact. He made a big impact on pool in New York, big time. Big time. So we're we're all looking forward to the uh, the tournament coming up, Yankee Memorial, in, here in New it's York. It's a good event. I was, last year, it was definitely a good event. I was here last year, and you know, I'm, I, I'd like to try to make it, but I'm not a hundred percent. All right, we're going to have um, live streaming with NYC Grind and AZ Billiards. Once again, so for those of you out there listening that want to watch the event, we're going to have that free live stream happening. So I guess on on that note, I would like to wrap things up, and I guess my final question would be, what do you see as being a legacy that you want to leave and your impact for pool? I just want to let it be known that uh, pool's not a... You know, like, I'm just a prime example that who can be good. Who's not bad like people like to think about it, you know. Who's just, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's turned out to be a, a positive uh, sport and game. And uh, I just hope that I, me coming this far in the game that I can inspire a lot of people and give people hope that, you know, if I can do it, so can they. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show, Rob, and you definitely have a lot of um, a lot of heart, and you've put a lot of hard work into getting to where you've gotten. And we wish you all the best coming up in whichever, uh, whichever tournaments you have. I appreciate it, and uh, I want to thank you for uh, letting me uh, be a guest this week. And I want to thank NYCGrind.com. I want to thank Lambros Custom Cues. And a big thank you to my sponsor, uh, Tracy Whitney, at High Pocket in Memphis, Tennessee. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate it once again, Rob. And 
we wish you all the best. We're gonna we're gonna wrap things up. Thanks everybody for joining us this week here on Full on the Grind on AmericanBilliardRadio.com. I'm Allison Fisher signing off, and we'll catch you next week. Everybody, welcome to another edition of the Go Play Pool app featured room of the week here on American Billiard Radio. Today, I'm talking to Chris Miller down at White Diamonds Billiards in Lafayette, Louisiana. How are you, Chris? Oh, doing good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. There you uh, go. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about White Diamond Billiards? I've been open for 18 years, and uh, we have a. Uh, at different times, we have a different amount of tables set up, but usually we have about 22 tables set up. And then uh, for our big nine-ball tournament, we'll change up the room a little bit to make more room for seating. So we'll change it up every now and then. But usually it's two nine-foot, seven, uh, eight-foot, and ten, eleven-bar tables. just depends at what time of what we have going on. All right. Yeah, I know, I know you guys have some, some pretty big events out there. Yeah, lately, uh, for the last, about the last six years, we've been having a event that happens twice a year. And, uh, the last tournament we had, it was back in March and, uh, we broke our biggest one. Yeah, that was our biggest one. We had, uh, $89,585 total purse in the, in a two day tournament. Wow. So that was, uh, that, that was, uh, Crazy! They all coming in for that one. They they liked it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That's a, I I think that's a record as far as a, any Calcuttas and stuff go. I don't know. I've never heard of a, a pot that big just from. I ask them all. I ask all the road players. You know, I say, uh, hey, have y'all seen anything bigger? You know, like Shane been down here, Bustamante, all of them. I mean, they they came at different times, and I asked them if they seen anything bigger. And they had they never seen nothing like that. And whenever they came, it was hanging around the seventy thousand mark, seventy four thousand for uh-huh. the total purse. And then my last one, we got it up. We went straight from the seventy to almost ninety. I needed another four hundred fifteen dollars, and I could have gotten a ninety. So I dogged it. I should have uh, jacked it up a little bit. Uh, well, I think uh, I think eighty nine thousand and change is a of a pretty good purse there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, so um, you guys, uh, you guys have a, a bar and food and all that. Oh yeah, we have a full bar uh, restaurant. We serve ribeyes, catfish, all that kind of stuff, and then we have a full bar where we can serve beer and liquor. We serve, you know, full bar and. Uh, and in a restaurant where we can serve food and stuff, we sell a lot of that food for that big tournament. They yeah. enjoy the ribeyes a lot. Uh, I uh, give away a lot during the Calcutta to, you know, to make it fun and try to make it fun and atmosphere. And the people that buy them, people in the Calcutta, you know, I'll if they bidding on somebody, I'll bribe them with a ribeye dinner and stuff like that just to try to get them going. So it makes it a little bit, you know, they have a good time or. You know, nice. trying to get that money in there. I hear you. <laughs> what's your What's your favorite item on your menu? Oh, I'd probably say the ribeyes and the shrimp. Now, a lot of people like the hamburgers. It just depends who, depends at what time, what somebody likes, really. It just, yeah. you know, but uh, the, the ribeyes for like that, we get a lot of compliments on them. Nice. So uh, any other games or anything that you guys have in there to... 
keep people entertained when they're not playing pool? Uh, we have some foosball tables and some darts, and then sometimes we'll have the room changed up where we'll change it up every now and then. And then, then we had like a game room where we had video games at one time and stuff, but then that slowed down. So we'll mm-hmm. try to do different things to keep it uh keep it going. You know, if something gets slow, we'll change change it up. Oh, sounds like uh, sounds like you're taking care of everybody. That's awesome. Good to uh, have a room owner that that takes a good interest in their location. Awesome. Well, uh, Chris, let everybody know where you're located and how they can get in touch with you. Okay, we're located in Lafayette, Louisiana, and uh, just give me a call three three seven nine eight nine nine eight eight nine. We have our big tournament. The big nine ball tournament happens twice a year, usually in March and in October or November. So our next one's going to be in October or November. If uh, you want to come play, just sign up early. Call call that number I just gave you. You sign up with a credit card over the phone. Easy as that. All right. All call, right. call early because sometimes it fills up two or three weeks ahead of the tournament. All right, Chris, sounds good. And uh, you'll be able to find all of the information to get in touch with Chris and everybody at White Diamond Billiards on the Go Play Pool app. So make sure you check that out. It's free to download. And uh, hopefully we'll get you guys signed up, and then everybody will know when your when your weekly events are. And, of course, we'll keep posting your, your big tournaments and stuff on our on our app and the Facebook page. And all right, Chris. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know you're busy, so I'll let you get back to what you're doing. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of, of American Billiard Radio and for joining us here. And we'll see you next week. Well, thank you very much. Welcome back to the American Billiard Radio Show. This is the Legends and Champions Report with myself, Mark Cantrell, and this show is brought to you by Deals Garage Cabinets from Mesa, Arizona. And again, continuing on our series of talking to the potential Team USA members, I am joined this week by Shonoff Brandon Schoff. How are you doing, Brandon? Hey, I'm great, Mark. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you. No problem at all. You know, it's been a... An ongoing thing, we spoke to almost everybody on the team. I think we've got Corey and Shane and uh, Justin Bergman left uh, to talk to. But it's basically, I'm asking kind of the same questions the whole, the whole way through, uh, just to get everybody's, you know, individual thoughts and, and everything else. So, you know, I'll start with, I'll start with this. I haven't uh, spoke about this to any of the others, really. You've been on the Moscone Cup team once before. Yes, yeah, I had my uh, debut year, uh, my rookie year in 2012 in London, and uh, that was quite the experience. <laughs> I, I, You know, I can only imagine, and I've said before, it's uh, tough to 
prepare yourself for something like that. And I personally, and I've said this before. I'm not, you know, it's not, it's nothing against you. I think you played good, but I know you didn't play as good as you can. Oh but, yeah, that's 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 definitely the case. Um, yeah, I was definitely uh, satisfied with my performance, but I wasn't satisfied with my overall winning record. I think <laughs> I had like a two-five record. And, uh, you know, I was a little upset about that. You know, I was really looking to stretch the 50% margin. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's very difficult at the Moscone Cup. But, uh, yeah, I performed well, but, you know, things just didn't go my way. And, and the Europeans played some hell of a matches against me, man. And it was like, it was kind of like all their uh, marquee shots from the whole tournament were returns for me. And, and shots <laughs> against me is what it felt like. It was unbelievable, man. But... But, uh, you know, I mean, I subdued the pressure real well, and I, uh, I, I feel like I gained a lot from it, man. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to earning my spot this year. We'll see what happens. Now, last time you made it on the team through the ranking points? Yeah, I made it through the ranking points. I finished third <coughs> in the Moscone rankings, and the first two were guaranteed, which was Shane and Mike DeShane. And then I was the first wild card on there, so that kind of felt good to earn my way on and, you know, go over there and the way that things happened. Uh, we actually, you know, I really felt like we should have won that year. I mean, we lost 11-9, to and there was a lot of thriller hill-hill matches, and it was it was, it was was really just a spectacular event, man. I thought we were going to win. Now, did you uh... – oh, well, I was, I was going to ask you, did you try to prepare last time for what was going to happen? Oh man, I trained so hard last time, man. It was like, it was like a dream come true to be on the Moscone Cup, man. I mean, I, I knew I was gonna. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say I knew for sure I was gonna earn the way on there, but I, I worked so hard that whole year, man. And uh, you know, I was really overcoming some, uh, uh, some, some health problems. You know what I'm saying? Like I had, uh, uh, I was gaining a little bit of weight here and there, and then I started to work out all the time, and I lost like 40 pounds, and I got into real good shape, and it started to really show in my pool game. So I learned from that aspect as well on how important health is. And, uh, man, I've just learned so much from that whole experience. But, yeah, I did train a lot before I went over there. And it's just, I mean, if you're going to train for anything, if, if the Moscone Cup doesn't make you train for your pool game, then I don't know what will. <laughs> right. No, I I agree with you. Um, what, do you what do you think of the selection process or the way they're going about doing it this year as far as picking the the team? Do you think it's a, a good way to go or a bad way to go? Well, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I'm really excited with how the selection process is going to go this year. I mean, uh, you know, they're, they're looking to bring a new breed of players up and uh, form a new generation for years to come. And, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure that that's the, the overall uh, outlook on what they're trying to do, but uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm for the process for sure. I, I like how they're trying to, you know, bring up some young players and, you know, give us the exposure of what it takes to get there. You know. Yeah. Now, what what do you say to the people? Again, this is not a question. I'm just I'm not drilling you on on no, things. No, okay. Yeah. The, the potentially negative, but you know. If you read the AZ Billions forums and things like that, you know. Oh, I don't. I don't go there. That's 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 negative <laughs> land all day. Well, you know, that. you've got a lot, there's a lot of positives in there. Um, oh yeah. But there's also sure you're going to have you're going to have negatives as well. What do you say to the people that think that this team is just too inexperienced to be able to perform in under those conditions those, against those. potentially the team that's going to be you're going to be playing against? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I can understand how people are going to voice their opinion, and some aren't going to be for it, and some will be for it. And I mean, that's just like it isn't anything that you look at. But, but uh, my first reaction to that is these people probably don't even frequent frequent pool rooms. <laughs> you probably don't ever see them at the events. You know, it's like, who are these people? You know, I mean, there's a reason why you're able to have an alias of a name that 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 you can hide under is because you can voice you know more of your negative side of things you know i mean i don't even pay attention to those people really right well you know if it ain't positive if it ain't positive and if if nobody wants to uh support the team or how the selection process is going then i just i just stay quiet and i just keep focusing on the positive man you know I'm, i'm really ignoring the negative you know well that's the probably the the best way to to go and you know mark wilson he's uh again i've said this before Mark Wilson's got a hell of a job on his hands. First of all, trying to find, I think he started with 12 uh, players they had, and then he took it down to the eight that he has now. Mm-hmm. But he's trying to do something. He's trying to do something different and uh, bring, like you said, some youth and uh, into the into the sport. And he's going to be either a hero or a zero, maybe, in some people's eyes at the end of it. Because if you guys win, it's going to be, man, Mark Wilson's a, a freaking genius. See how he did that? He picked the team, got them bonded, got them together. But if you guys don't do so well over there, it's going to be, well, I knew that was going to happen. You know? Yeah, it is so, It is a lot of pressure for Mark Wilson. It, it definitely is. And uh, I've got his back 100%, man. I mean, I've already, I've already uh, bonded with him uh pretty well these last few months or whatever and uh and I and I understand what kind of person he is and what his objective is, you know, uh for for the Moscone Cup and I'm seeing how hard he works and it's like uh you know, I mean if anybody can do it, it's this guy and I promise you that. You know, but uh I mean we're gonna have to see what happens but he does have a, a big task at hand here and uh I would like to say that uh that I think um I think very highly of his vision for where he's trying to bring pool, and I think it's, I think Matchroom is trying to bring it there too. And it's it's not. I mean, I know it's all for pool, and we're all fans of pool. I think John Schmidt or Corey Duell, one of one of the other, said uh, in a comment somewhere that uh, that when we're over in your call and they're all rooting against us, they're looking at it like they're all fans of pool who are supporting the sport that we love rooting against us. So it doesn't necessarily mean they hate us. They're just rooting against us. You know what I'm saying? They're supporters of our sport. So that's a good positive way to look at it. But uh, changing the face of American pool is what Mark Wilson, that's another task that Mark Wilson has. And uh, I think I think one of the good reasons he was selected was because, you know, he teaches collegiate billiards at Lindenwood University. And he's helping the transformation of pool into a prestigious state in America, which is very important. So, I mean, who's a better selection for captain than Mark Wilson? I mean, I, I tell my friends this quite often when, uh, like, when I'm here in America and I have a friend who's not even in pool and they enter and, and they know me as a professional pool player and they introduce me to their friend, whether they're a doctor or a lawyer or a uh, a housewife. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be anybody. And and uh, they say hi. This is Brandon Shuff. He's he's a professional pool player, 
And in America, the 90% of the time, the first reaction is, oh, you're a hustler, and they give you that eye and they shake your hand. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But when you're overseas, and anywhere I've I've been, I've been to the Middle East, Europe, and South America, and, and all those occasions when I've been introduced as a professional pool player to somebody, they're all like, oh, wow, let me get your picture or let me get an autograph. It's prestigious out of outside of America. So to make that transition into making pool prestigious in America, you're going to have to uh, let the put it in the hands of a person like Mark Wilson, who's teaching education with billiards and sportsmanship and, you know, discipline and how to turn it into a real sport. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you you have some very, uh, you know, valid points. Um, Now, going, kind of going back a step, and I I know this is, again, this is almost a trick question. What would you tell somebody like, just in a hole on the atmosphere and how to try and prepare for the atmosphere. Going over to Europe, especially going to England, um, how would you prepare mentally for what's coming? Because it's not just, like you said, it's not like any other pool event in the world. I mean, even the final of the U.S. Open, I don't think, has as much pressure as the Moscone, or as much of an atmosphere as the Moscone. True, true. What would you tell uh, somebody like Justin Hall or Justin Bergman uh, Uh, from your experience? That's a really good question, Mark. Uh, I mean, uh, because I've been, when I I was the rookie, you know, I had guys in my ear telling me this and telling me that, and I kind of had a heads up on what to expect, and it's not easy. I mean, it's not hard to find. You can go online and watch what it's like over there so you can get an experience and I'm sure I'm sure the three potential rookies uh Bergman, Hall and Saucy or Sose, um I'm pretty sure that they've gone and watched a lot of clips from Moscone Cup. So they already have a visual of what to expect. But if I had to tell them one thing, I would tell them to just be cool and do what you do. You know what I mean? Because the pressure is what we all chase, and it's going to make you play. So if if they go over there, it's not going to be like it's overwhelming pressure. I never looked at it as overwhelming pressure. I looked at it like drive to play good. You know, and uh, you know that that brings up uh, a thought that I just had. Uh, one of the last conversations I had with Justin Paul. You know, I've, I've been out on the road for like six, eight weeks, and I see him at a lot of tournaments, and you know, we hang out, and uh, and he tells me like, you know one of his favorite feelings is when his back is against the wall and when he's in a foreign place where people are against him and he just loves sinking that ball and winning that game, you know, when everybody's against him, like it's, it's, it's an okay, it's an okay feeling for him. And, uh, that just made me think, you know, about the Moscone cup, you know, if, if he made his rookie, uh, debut, I mean, I don't think he'd have a problem with it. I don't think any of the rookies would have a problem to be honest, because there's so much pressure in performing for yourself that, Outside distractions are really hard to get to you once you get at this level, you know. So, I mean, I'm not trying to say that the atmosphere doesn't shake anybody out there. It really will. It'll get you sometimes, you know. But uh, but I think it'll bring the best out of every player no matter what. So I, I just tell them to just be ready for whatever. Right. Well, it, it, this takes me to another question because we know that everybody on the team can play excellent world class. Pool, mm-hmm. but 
aside from the your playing ability, what is it that you bring to the table? What do you bring to the team that's different? Hmm, that's a pretty good question. So, or or an advantage. Oh, uh, okay. So other than my playing ability, what do I bring to the table as a, as a benefit or whatever? Yeah, team. Um, honestly, I would say that I possess a pretty good or a valuable amount of team bonding skills. I'm I'm very good with communicating and getting along with a lot of people and uh you know, like the love for the team and the the whole the whole teamwork thing, man. I think I could really uh mingle well with the team and get us all to work together. I think that's probably one of my biggest traits, you know, like uh like have fun, be out there, work hard, you know what I'm saying? Everybody can feel my energy. You know, my energy is easily easily felt, you know, when when I'm around you or if I'm hanging out, you know, uh, pe- people understand my positivity and what's going on. So I think all the players possess that skill. So once we all get out there, it's just going to be a combined energy, and it's just team bonding. That's all it's about, you know. Yeah, this year you've got – you guys have a chance to actually do that. Um, yeah, and I had a chance – well, the, the team has never had a chance to get together, other than seeing each other at tournaments and that kind of thing, but never mm-hmm. known this far ahead. I mean, sometimes they haven't known the full team until after the U.S. Open, because the U.S. Open was either there for the rank point or the winner of the U.S. Open automatically got a spot. True. So you never really knew, and the, the U.S. Open w- was worth a lot of points. So that could have made a difference with the rankings in a lot of different situations. So... You guys have a chance to get together this year and ahead of time, and hopefully you can do it. I know it's not going to be easy for you all to get together because you're all scattered around all over the country. But I know that yeah. Mark's working on some things to get you together. And yeah, uh, yeah Mark. Uh, yeah, Mark has uh, Mark has some serious plans uh, intact right now. I think uh, he'll probably be releasing some info soon on what we're doing to. Uh, to work together here in the States in preparation for some extra team bonding and things like that. But, um, yeah, the team bonding is not going to be an issue this year. We're tackling that head first. You know, we're getting getting everybody together. I mean, and all these eight guys, we're already friends. You know, like we've all been cool. You know what I'm saying? So it's like there's no one uh, – there's, no, uh, there's no hidden – what do you call it? There's no Animosity. Yeah, there's no hidden animosity or or hidden ego conflicts with these eight guys. There's none of that. That's why I was so for the selection of the eight guys when it got released. I was really happy to see these eight guys because all of them, you know, have their egos in check and, you know, very confident individuals, and they all get along together, you know. I mean, it's like a great selection of guys. I mean, even if even if I somehow don't make the team, I'm like in full support of these guys because they're all perfect candidates. So I mean, we can we can win the cup with any of these five guys, right? And you know, I, I just to go back for a second to maybe start the conversation mm-hmm. is we we were talking about uh, the inexperience and really when you look at how inexperienced can this team potentially be? In reality, you've got Shane who's been, I don't know how many times now, he's been on the Moscone Cup. Same with Schmidt, same with Corey. And so if you just take, if those three make it, that's not an inexperienced team. You've got U.S. Open champions, you've got Moscone Cup team members from the past, 
Mm-hmm. If you're if you're on there, you're a, Mus- a former Moscone Cup team member. Mm-hmm. Been playing all over the country at a high level. I mean, it's not like you're inexperienced. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, I'm 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 I'm, I'm only- due fit. I'm due fit for sure. But uh, yeah, getting um, I'll I'll be honest. That that's that strikes a nice little uh, a nice little subject on on my on my recent history in the last few years. You know, I mean, I grew up in America. You know, as a strong player. You know, and I, I went through the ranks. I, I took my beatings. I did everything that every player needs to do when you come up. But when I left the soil. Of American, when I left American soil and went overseas and played, uh, I've been out of out of the country three times now, and it was just like a whole new energy. It's like um, it's the energy I got when I used to be a local player, and then I finally went to the U.S. Open and played, or I went to Vegas and played in a big tournament. It was like I was so hungry. That's what I wanted, and I didn't want anything else. Well, that same feeling. Uh, arised when I left American soil, but it was magnified by 10. So every time a player leaves American soil, it's like you're you're going to bring the best out of yourself no matter what. I mean, you're going to try as hard as you can. Everything's going to fall into place. So, I mean, uh, the three guys that have the inexperience that you were mentioning, I wouldn't even really consider it experience. I would consider it like they're going to get that first big correct boost of energy of, of how to play hard more than anybody. You know what I mean? Uh, right. But that actually that makes me think of another topic about how everybody thinks the Europeans are so disciplined and, and like uh, people are talking like they think that they're better than the Americans. I mean, yeah, they have some attributes that are that are stronger from their trainings that could make them look like they have some strengths better than us but i look at it like they come over here to our soil where they're not known and it's easier to turn heads and play harder you see what i'm saying if we took all of our american players and went over to europe they'd probably be thinking the same thing about us yeah do you see what i mean they'd find our strengths and then and then try to look at it like do you see what i mean i mean yeah it's yeah it's a it's a soil thing you know when you leave your home your homeland and go somewhere and play, I mean, you're going to show up. You know, I mean, that's just how it is. Right. And there's a, you know, there's a lot for the, ex- just the experience alone of, of leaving the country and, and playing in different atmospheres, different conditions, different, uh, maybe different tables, you know, the, mm-hmm. than you're used to. And I've heard, you know, I've never done it myself, but I've heard some of these, like, world championships, this practice table. You're not allowed to practice on the table that you're going to be playing on uh, before the match. Yeah, cases. that was like that. It was like that at the World Games. I went to the World Games in South America, and uh, you know you're designated a certain amount of practice time before you even get on the table. And uh, you know, I mean, yeah, conditions and uh, the rules and how they do everything. I mean, it can change. It can change your mindset. I mean, the mentality to play great pool is so sensitive that you have to be able to deal with curveballs. They're going to get thrown at you left and right. But uh, but I would say about the Moscone Cup, you know, you have very good practice time there. You have you have great you have a great amount of time to to bond with the team and work together and practice. So you know, none of that's going to be really an issue. Right. Well, is uh, is there anything else you'd like to mention, or anybody you'd like to talk to? Well, I, uh, I'd like to give a shout out to my sponsors, Mez Q's. 
that I've been with them. This is my second year now, and uh, I've got nothing but love for them. I love my equipment, and uh, I'm playing pretty good with it. So I'm looking to get on the Moscone Cup team this year and earn my way on and bring that cup back home. Right on. Well, I, I really appreciate your time, Brandon, and uh, I wish you the best of luck. I think you're, uh, you'd be a good representative for Team USA. And Thank it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough when they have to. Mark has to talk to somebody and chop them out of the team. Um, I know. You know somebody, I know. Somebody's got to go. I won't want that job either. You know. Yeah, uh, that's going to. That's a tough one. There, it's a tough one. I'm telling you, he's going to have a tough decision. It's going to be tough, man. Right. Well, I, I again, I wish you the best of luck, and uh, you you get into those that final five. Hopefully, we can have another chat and see if your perspective's changed or what your mood is, and. And we can uh, hopefully do another one of these interviews. Definitely, Mark. I appreciate you very much, man. I look forward to it. No problem. Thanks again, Brandon. Okay, take care, buddy. And that will wrap us up. Uh, Again, insightful. Uh, It's nice to hear the opinions of these players and what their mindset is going into it. And for the most part, it seems like they're, even if they don't make the team, they are willing to want to support the team and it's for the good yeah. cool. So that's a positive thing. Yeah, so. just to be yeah, just to be in the calling for the A guys is is an accomplishment, you know. I mean I'm I'm I, yeah, I, I feel that way and I know the other guys gotta feel that way too. I mean we all share common uh common traits on how we feel about pool and, and everyone's it's it, it's really cool because I don't maybe this is a question I can ask you. Uh, uh, but, you know, all the other players, when they respond to a lot of questions, naturally they feel the same way I do. Like, we're all happy for each other. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm going to, it's going to be sad to see who gets chopped, man. You know, uh, it's, it's going to be tough, you know? Because, well, I imagine whether it's you or any of the other guys, I'm sure that there's a part of you that maybe you wouldn't admit to anybody, but there's parts of you that lay in bed at night and, close your eyes and think about what's being on the team wearing the USA jersey and uh, going out there representing your country and yourself. Oh, dude, I think about it every day, man. Ever since I got in the eight guys, it's like the drive is all there, the motivation's there, you just got to do everything right, train hard, even when you're in the dark. When no one's watching, you got to be working hard to get what you want. You know what I'm right. saying? That's but my, you, that's but my mentality. Say, that's, uh, where I was going is... you. You lay in bed dreaming about that moment, going walking down the stairs with the American woman playing or whatever walk-on song they they have, <laughs> and yeah. high-fiving people. You're dreaming about that moment. Now all of a sudden, somewhere in I guess October, somebody's going to get a call. People are going to get a call saying, "Sorry, we're not not this year." And all that dream and all that excitement, boy, I can't imagine it's just going to be such a uh, it's going to be hurtful. Yeah, I, I hope there's no uh, with the guy with the three guys who don't get on the team. I uh, I mean, I just I just hope there's no no negative reactions or anything like that. Which I don't think there will because I guarantee you. Actually, I can't guarantee anything because I don't know anything for sure. But I would say if I had to say, I would say that the three guys that don't get selected this year will be in contention for next year if they do a similar process. So it's not like 
all hope is given up if you don't get on this year. You still got something to work hard for. We're all young. You know what I'm saying? The Moscone Cup's probably going to be around for many more years, depending on, uh, you know, how things go or whatever. But, uh, I mean, you, you see what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you got you got your future, whole future ahead of you, so it's not like it's everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm, not time, sure, I'm not sure it, that's going to ease the sting at that know, particular right? time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oops, I'm not exactly sure what happened there. It looks like we got disconnected from Brandon. Um, I think we were just about at the end of the interview anyway. Um, sorry about that, guys. Uh, these things happen sometimes. And... Uh, We'll end the show right there. It was insightful. We got some good information, as always. And uh, I hope to uh, see you all next week. American Billiards Radio, this is the Legends and Champions Report with myself, Mark Cantrell, brought to you by Neil's Garage Cabinets of Mesa, Arizona. Till next week, guys. Take care. Line up yourself and shift into gears. My mind's a blank Feel kinda drunk But I never drank An eight ball on the rail That I'm gonna spank And I need to be banking With the beer I'm always banking With the beer Go on, brother.